Knowing what to post on social media for your business, when to post, how often, it can all be so overwhelming. And then the social networks constantly change things up on us, right? Want that problem to go away? Join thousands of entrepreneurs who get my daily social media marketing tips direct to their inbox for free. Each day, you'll get stories, tips, ideas, and inspiration so you can do better social media marketing, all designed to drive revenue and profits in your business without it taking up all your valuable time. And of course, if they ever aren't valuable anymore, you can easily unsubscribe at the bottom of any email. Sign up now while you're thinking about it at dailysocialmediatips.com. There's no wrong way to be an entrepreneur, and that's the dirty little secret the business gurus don't want you to know. They want you to do things their way, but their way may not be your way. The key to success is finding the strategies that work best for you. Welcome to The Six Ways with Jerry Potter. On today's show, we're sharing six ways to stay ethical and still be wildly profitable. Welcome to episode number 10 of The Six Ways. Every week, we bring on a smart, innovative guest that is thriving in their field of expertise to share their best tips with the rest of us so we can all achieve our entrepreneurial goals. I truly believe we all do better when we all do better. And so that's the idea behind this. My name is Jerry Potter, founder of 5-Minute Social Media and the Social Media Leads Lab. And my guest today is Anna Sassier, who I am honored to know. Anna coaches online business owners to serve without it feeling contrived, stressful, hustled, and pushy while still being wildly profitable. Uh, she and I also share our love for showing our kids the world and all the different kinds of people in it. Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jerry. I'm excited I'm to glad be that, here. Uh, we've, yeah, I'm glad we've decided to talk about this topic because I think it's a good one. And sometimes we hear about things, and, and especially from you know what we'll call the, quote, business gurus, like, oh, you have to do this, or yeah, you have to do that. And sometimes it feels icky and gross. Um, and uh, I want to start, though, just talking a little bit about money in general, because you do use the phrase wildly profitable while still, you know, not feeling uh, you don't use icky and gross, but you use wildly profitable. When you work with your clients on this kind of stuff, do some of them struggle with just the idea of making money and general guilt around that? Oh, absolutely. And I, I really we, if we can talk about money, we can talk about the word profitable a little bit more, too, because I think. Sometimes we equate those two together, but I also see profitable is in terms of time and energy profit as well. Mm. And so as I'm looking at the desire for someone to be profitable, we need to understand what does that actually mean for you? And I think that's where in online business, we can get someone into some of these sticky situations because we assume that everybody wants the same thing. And, you know, and then we lose that inside of, well, not everyone wants to be wildly profitable in terms of money, but we want to be wildly profitable in terms of time and energy and our ability to help people. I love that you said that because that's very much where I am with my business, where it's like, yeah, I want to, obviously I want to make money and I'm, I'm okay with that. But at the same time, I want to not work 80 hours a week and I don't want to work when my kids are home from school and, and different things like that. And so when you work with your clients, you kind of, is that one of the first things you do to define what profitable means? Um, yeah, and what their desires are, what um, what is meaning, what their values are, what are the meaningful outcomes for you here? And obviously, when we think about uh, you know making money, if we want the other things that are profitable, like saved energy and saved time, the money helps, right? Absolutely, <laughs> helps and it's and stuff. it's necessary. I mean, if you're running a business, you need money, and like you like you asked about, is that a struggle? Whether that's mindset or or energetic or an emotional struggle when it comes to money. We, we do need to not ignore money because that is what supports 
the the resources, um, the humans, and um, in everything, particularly the humans, the resources that we have in order to support the business and to support the um, the deliverables and the programs that we offer, the way that we help people. One of the things I've seen you say is talking about how business and life are inseparable, especially when you're doing what you're love what you love, right? You're passionate about it. You're trying to make an impact on the world, and so. How do you approach that when, you know, the majority of the planet is mostly like, oh, you have to have work-life balance and separation and, and things like that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I love this question. And it is such a, um, it's such a shift for some people who have come into online business with starting with a passion. And most people do. They say, I want to help people with X, Y, Z. And they then hear or, or see oh, a business is the best way for me to do that. Mm-hmm. And then they come into learning about online business and learning the tactics and learning the strategies and being in some of these programs that teach them how to create a business. <clears throat> and a lot of times we end up having this, then a disconnection happens from the, from the, like the life force that you got into this in the first place, the thing that drives you to help people we end up with this disconnection because of the ickiness that you talk about feeling, right? And because of the gurus telling you to do it is in this exact same way. So we end up disconnected from that life then. So then we have the life importance and the life values over here. My life values are um, my family and supporting people and having real meaning conver- meaningful conversations, for example, those sorts of things. And then over here in business, my values have to be consistency and um, and money and some of these other things or, or we start to to learn that those things have to be important to me. And so it, it just exacerbates this kind of separation. And so when I talk about these things um, necessarily being integrated, we it it helps when we when we intentionally bring them back together and look, start looking at them at the same time, we start questioning, well, do these business values actually align with my personal values? And pulling that back together, we are then able to more fully bring that passion back. And, you know, the the fullness of what I what I came in here to do in the first place. Right. Yeah. I love the way that you put that, because most of us, obviously, our business is there to support our life and our lifestyle design and all of that. And they are integrated. And my family just recently got back from a month-long trip, which I'm so grateful that we're able to do um, because I can work from anywhere. But I chose to work while we were, you know, technically on vacation. Um, and but it was well worth it because of what we got to do. And I, I, I've, I've never heard it put the way you put it. But I guess several years ago, I kind of said goodbye to you know trying to separate work and life all the time. And if you have something you love too, it's hard to stop thinking about it, right? I don't know about you, but I wake up with dreams about from dreams about business all the time. Right, absolutely, and we don't have to make that a wrong thing. I think when it starts to become, um, it, it, when it's so disconnected from the values of the light of life, that's when it, it when, that's when it starts. I think to be harmful that we're thinking about it all the time. But if I'm constantly thinking about you know helping people to um, to grow their business in a way that's aligned for them, it's okay that I'm thinking about it all the time because it's not disconnected in in terms of values from 
um, serving my family all the time, being connected with my kids and with my husband. It all kind of, it fits. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So uh, today, six ways to stay ethical and still be wildly profitable. Anna brought three, and I'm going to share three as well. And we'll do our question of the week from Joey. Um, a lot of people have been talking about the new Instagram Threads app this last week or so. And Joey said, is it worth it for new business owners to hop on the new Instagram Threads app? So we'll touch on that. Make sure you stay till the end for that. All right. So um, our juvenile way of picking who goes first, Anna, is rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I love so it. So I assume you know how to play. I do, although my kids add a bunch of extra things. So we're sticking with the original rock, paper, scissors. Just the three, yes. Okay. Just the three. So we'll do one, two, three, shoot. Okay, ready? Okay. Here we go. One, two, three, shoot. What'd you do? Uh, paper. What is that? Paper. Oh, that's how paper. your paper is vertical. For people listening to this, her <laughs> paper was vertical. I was like, is that, I don't know, is that a knife? Is that, a, okay. Uh, I did paper as well. So tie goes to the guest. So we'll have oh, you okay. go guest. Um, uh, go first on this. So six ways to stay ethical and still be wildly profitable. Anna, what do you got? Number one. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is transparency and disclosure. So um, this means sharing honest, realistic outcomes about our programs and our services and a full transparent disclosure of results. So in contrast, I just want to give some examples of um, how this can be unethical or sometimes shows up in unethical ways are sharing the, the top results only of the program. Mm -hmm. Something like when if a sales page says, clear six figures in six months with our proven strategy, right? We've all seen this. What is the, uh, what is the impression? What is the impact of that message is that this is going to happen for everyone or at least almost everyone. And this often is not the case. And so if those kinds of results are 1% or even 10% of the people going through the program, then first of all, that's, it's questionable whether that is an ethical practice in you know, a way of communicating on our sales page. Yeah. And um, the other thing to note here in terms of that transparency and disclosure is that a lot of people don't realize this, but when we make claims like that, like these are the results or give testimonials or experiences from clients that have certain results tied to them, it's, it's actually a, a legal thing or it's illegal not to have a specific disclaimer that indicates the, the amount of, you know, that percentage of people who can expect these kinds of results, right? And, and even in, um, I think it's part of the ethical conversation around this transparency and disclosure to ask, what is the overall feel and message and impact of what I'm saying? And does that lead most people to believe X? And, yeah. you know, if that's not true, then we need to communicate in the same level of print, right? Not in the fine print, but in the, <laughs> not in the tiny words at the bottom and not like super fast, like you hear in those car commercials, but in a way that really communicates what clearly what people can expect. And if the impression that I gave here is um, only happens when certain parameters exist, then yeah. we need to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Love it. All right. Uh, six ways to stay ethical while being wildly profitable. Number two 
is uh, this is kind of a um, a filter that I have built in my business, and it's basically to prioritize the happiness of our clients and customers over almost everything else. Now, I'm not somebody who says, oh, the customer is always right, right? If you have any kind of business, whether you worked as an employee or as a business owner, you probably had somebody that was maybe being unreasonable or whatever it might be. But when you level up the customer service to make sure that they're happy, it kind of can eliminate a lot of the things that, I mean, just because you're thinking in that way, I want my person to be so happy Sometimes the filter I'll use is I want them to be so happy that at the end, they can't wait to leave a five-star review or they can't wait to tell their friends or family or you know people in their business mastermind about. And so that's kind of the way that I look at it as a filter. And I, you know, years ago, this is a long time ago now, but um, you know, Amazon, uh, once upon a time, I ordered a flat panel TV. This is my first flat panel TV ever. And this was back when like a 27-inch TV was like $1,200 or something like that, which is funny now because you can get, I don't know, the one the size of your house for that. And they had an, um, they had something that wasn't true about it. Like I was comparing it to the listing and something was wrong in the listing. So I sent them a message. I said, Hey, it said that it had this, it didn't have it. Um, just wanted to let you know. And I had a, like an adapter. So it didn't matter what it was. I'm not going to go into the geekiness of it, but they replied and they said, you know, we're so sorry. We'll get that fixed. You can send it to us, send it back to us. We'll pay the, the, you know, pay for the shipping and everything like that. Or if you want, you can keep it and we'll send you 10% back as a refund, which was like $120. And it was literally like, you know, oh my God, you know, I, I, would, I wasn't looking for anything. I literally just said, just FYI, you might want to update it. And they took such good care of me. Obviously, they've made far more off of me over the years than that $120. But I just think when you do things like that, not only is it make you memorable and loved by your clients and customers, but more than that, it becomes a filter because if you're putting them first, you are always going to be doing things ethically because you'll feel bad <laughs> as we you know do with ethics um you know when we don't so that was the that that was the story that kind of stuck out with me with that so prioritize the happy, happiness of your clients and customers almost uh, over almost anything else and i know it's hard when money is tight you you know um when when i first went full time in my business 4 years ago i quit my job my wife got laid off two weeks later and the pandemic started two months later. So it was kind of like, but I think that really makes a big difference for people. So. I just, yeah. And, and it reminds me of just the way that I like to, we didn't really define ethics, but the way that I like to see it is like a right balance of power. Because often when we have something that people need, you know, they need something and we have it, there's a power differential there. And so how can we balance that power? And like the example that you gave is how can we make it right? So, you know, in, in prioritizing the happiness, you're saying, how can we make things right for you? Yeah. All right. Uh, six ways to stay ethical while being wildly profitable in your business. Anna, number three, what do you got? Let's have real scarcity only. So <laughs> I was trying to put this one into like a positive spin. And, and instead of saying, don't do this, but um, it's hard to not talk about the um, how not to do it. But the the concept here is like, really steering clear of false scarcity or false urgency and sticking to what are the real actual boundaries here um, that we need to communicate in order to help people to take action. So we see, we see this a lot and it's so interesting what has become normalized in terms of false scarcity, like the, you know, the timers to act now. And if you don't act now, then this is what's going to happen. Are you going to stay stuck or the, um, in these kind of messages, it also happens 
even when we're doing coaching sales or one-on-one sales and saying like, I've got two spots left. Is that actually true? And so, you know, I want to invite everyone here into when we're focusing on, um, we're focusing on ethics and being wildly profitable when we can say no or let go of some of those false scarcity tactics and focus on what are the real boundaries that I need to set in place in order to make sure that I'm served well, that my business is taken care of, that I do need to communicate. Um, and that is being ethical, like say, I can only hold this many spots and I have two spots and it needs to be done by this time so that I can focus on shifting and serving my people. There's nothing wrong with scarcity when it's a real thing that actually exists. Yeah. And I, I, I love that you clarified that because I have, you know, I'm a people pleaser and sometimes I've erred on the side of not bringing up actual urgency or scarcity. And about six months ago, um, I had somebody who was in a program and I thought they were going to sign up for my membership and they, and, uh, and they even said they would, or were going to, and they hadn't. And I reached out just kind of the final day, say, Hey, did you have any questions about this? Only because they'd said they were going to. And they said, oh, is there a deadline? I didn't know. You didn't have any countdown timers in the emails. <laughs> I was like, I'm used oh. to that, yeah. Yeah, and so some people are used to that. But what I realized that is just kind of on the other side of this is, um, you know, another thing that can hurt both sides of the transaction is not being clear in what the offer is. You know, so if there is scarcity, if there is urgency, doesn't mean you have to put a countdown timer every inch, you know, on the page or you know, anything like that. But, but um, it, it is important to communicate our offers. But yeah, the, the, the 15 minute timer where you can just refresh the page and it re- resets the 15 minute timer and things like that are, are um, icky to use my clinical term again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially when we know, and those times where we, we do have actual deadlines, we can also say, what else can I give so that this doesn't feel like scarcity? So when we have, you know, even if you have three timers so that people are very clear on what's going to happen, you still get to say, hey, if this is not the right time for you, we're going to be opening again next quarter, right? Yeah, 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 that's great. Um, All right, six ways to stay ethical and be wildly profitable. Number four, have a specific human filter, um, which is what I call it. And so um, one of the things that I do in my business, and I kind of did this from day one when I was learning more about the psychological principles of urgency and scarcity and, you know, some of these other things is I think of everything as though it's being used on my mom. She is my specific human filter. And so I think if somebody else did this to my mom, if they use this marketing tactic, uh, how would that make me feel? And if I wouldn't like it, then I won't use it in my own business. And so, um, you know, my parents are both very smart and, you know, not susceptible to, you know, silly things. But I always just kind of use my mom as the filter because I know if I found out somebody had taken advantage of my mom and I could do something about it, I would, you know, I would be trying to figure out, you know, how to prevent it from happening to other people. So so I call that my specific human filter. But sometimes rather than just deciding like, ah, is this right or, or wrong? If you pick somebody that's important to you, and just decide, how would I feel if somebody did this to them? Then it makes it real easy to have a clearly defined line. And ethics have a lot of gray area in the middle and even with internally. And so this is where, for me, it's very easy to go, okay, which side of the line am I on? Uh, would I hate it if somebody did it to my mom? Then it's out. Uh, would I be okay with it? Do I think it's fine? Then then I'm totally fine with it. I love it, Jerry. And I that just brings back a lot of 
um, some of these things I think get normalized because we aren't looking at the person because we are not um, in this one person to one person interaction anymore, you know, with the advent of mass marketing, we're mass marketing and we're mass advertising. And we're not often interacting with each individual person when we still have that innate empathy and that innate connection. And I might not have done this if it we're talking, you know, if I were facing humans directly. So you're bringing that element back in, which I think then um, makes it a little easier to make these choices. I love that you said that too, because sometimes with all of the automations and things that we can do like that, uh, sometimes we do things in our business without thinking about it because it didn't strike us as wrong in the moment. We um, we copied a template, you know, whatever it was. Somebody did it that we respect, so we didn't even think about, oh, is this right for me? And it goes into an automated email sequence or whatever, and you just forget about it. It's real easy to sort of distance yeah. yourself from it. And I had a specific thing where there was an email that I had sent that came from a template from somebody that I respected. And finally, one of my uh, people in my audience replied to it and said, this doesn't feel like you. And I was kind of grateful they called me out on it. But then I looked back at the email and I'm like, this doesn't <laughs> feel like me. And it was just, you know, I needed somebody else to sort of, you know, point it out. And um, so now, and what I tell my people, because in, in my social media leads lab program, we have templates. I always, you know, it's like, hey, you have to make this your own, like read it out loud in your own voice and see if it feels right. And if it doesn't, then, you know, by all means, make the adaptations that you need to. So. All right, six ways to stay ethical while uh, also being wildly profitable. Anna, number five, what do you got? Number five is to create safer spaces. And it, I, this, the story that you just told made me think of that because you have created and nurtured a space where somebody feels comfortable coming back to you on an email and saying, this doesn't sound like you, right? Where you're open to feedback. <laughs> um, and so that's part of creating safer spaces and what we're doing in our businesses and our marketing where um, one of the big factors that comes in here that I want to address is recognizing windows of tolerance for people. When we're thinking about um, our tolerance for risk-taking, so this comes up a lot in business, we're inviting people to do something differently, we're inviting them to take risks to change, which is a huge, has a huge impact on our nervous system and our well-being when we, when we decide to do something differently. And we need to be aware of, am I am I able to support the people that I'm asking to do something differently and recognize that everybody's window of tolerance is going to be different through these, through the struggles, through the different actions that they're taking, through trying something new and, um, and really putting some intentional effort into how can I support people as they make these changes that I'm asking them to take and is my environment creating a space for, for failure and for hard emotions? Um, this is, we see this, we see this a lot, especially in coaching, where there's a danger to move into this space of what I call toxic positivity, where we just have this kind of constant raw, raw environment. Yes. Right? You can do it, you know, go. And, and everybody is, not everybody, but the, the majority of the communication and the celebration that happens in online spaces is this kind of positive wins, celebrations, you know, I made all this money, we got a new client, and often we're not celebrating the hard parts of it. We're not celebrating the hard growth and the times that we have anger and frustration and sadness around the changes that we've been asked to make 
um, by the, you know, us, by our business owners who are asking people to make changes and do things differently. So how do you recommend somebody incorporate that? Is it about letting people know what parts they might not do well at? Or I mean, how do you how do you set that up? Yeah. So in our marketing, I think it's important to be clear about the struggles. And you know, we're not just focusing on the celebrations and the great parts, but that we are being real about, hey, this is hard work. Uh, you know, and these these emotions might come up, recognizing the the points of of emotional struggle that might happen and that we support and recognize those without bringing shame or guilt into that process. And then once we're in those containers or like here, I'm, I'm really kind of approaching this from a coaching standpoint because that's my, that's my space. Yeah. Um, but that, that we are intentionally giving time and attention to those struggles. And we're not kind of emotionally bypassing those and focusing on all the positive things. I think the first part of what we can do differently is to have awareness of it and then start asking questions of where can I hold an even safer space for the struggle? Okay. I love that. All right. Six ways to stay ethical while still being wildly profitable. Number six is uh, what, I, what I wrote down was have a generous guarantee and openly give refunds. And so when we talk about some of the things that have come up today, urgency, scarcity, and people feeling the pressure to make a purchase because of this or that. And we've probably all made a purchase or invested in something at some point in our lives, um, whether it was real urgency or scarcity or you know false. And so one of the things that I do and have done from the beginning is I have a, I've always had very generous guarantees. I'll, I'll admit this was hard. I, I shared you know back in the beginning in 2020 when I first went full time in my business. Two weeks later, my wife got let go. The pandemic started you know like six weeks after that. I mean, it was scary. But I just decided that I don't want anybody in my program that is not thrilled to be there. And so I've always set it up. So for example, I have a course called 29 Days to Endless Free Leads, and I do what I call the Love 3 or It's Free Guarantee. It is a six-module course, and if you don't love it after the first three modules, just let me know, and I will issue you a full refund. Um, and it's a $1,000 course, so it's not nothing. Uh, but I just don't want people in there that aren't happy. I think that the long-term effect of that the effect of how they feel about your business and you know not to mention what they say to their friends and family and all of that is far more detrimental. Now I'm confident in my program and I've gotten confident because I almost never have to issue that refund, but I'm super proud to do that because I think it just makes it so much easier and I know sometimes it's hard to give money back again when it's tough. Um, the customer is not always right, but if I go back to the, the you know number 2 the first one I shared, I think that really um, changes the way that we think about our business. And so, again, if you have a policy, if you have a team, they know about it. Uh, you know, like I have, um, you know, my main member of my team, she's allowed to just do that. She lets me know, but it's like she's fully empowered to do that. We don't get into a whole, well, should we do it or should we not? Um, and it's just really made a massive difference in the way I feel about my business, the way other people feel about my business. And I think long term leaves plenty of room to be wildly profitable in the end. Yeah. That, that makes a huge difference, not only for that person and for their business, but for is just the feeling of the environment in your whole program. Because if you have people in there who really don't want to be there, it, it affects the energy of the whole. Yeah, 100%. And it, and it can be toxic very, very quickly. And, and if you've never been active in an online community, 
If you've ever worked in an office, you know how one person can completely destroy the culture in, the, in an office, and it can be the exact same thing. So, all right, we're going to recap all six of these here in just a second. But real quick, our question of the week from Joey, who asked, is it worth it for new business owners to hop on the new Instagram Threads app? Uh, from this recording, I think it rolled out about nine or 10 days ago. It's called the. It's been called the Twitter killer by the media, but it's basically more of a text-based app from Meta, who created um, Instagram. And I talked actually in depth to my members uh, this week in Social Media Leads Lab about this, but I want to give a, a quick answer about it right now. Have you dabbled in it at all or have you ignored the hype, Anna? I have ignored it. I'm really super glad to hear what you have to say about it. I have not gone on yet, mostly because I'm afraid of getting sucked in. Okay. <laughs> not having time for it. Good for you. Yeah. Well, but well good I'm for curious. You. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, from a marketing standpoint, Meta has done an incredible job. And that's why people are feeling this FOMO and this guilt. And we hear these stories about the people that got in on the early days of TikTok, and now they have a million dollar business. It's like, it's almost like a lottery ticket in that sense. Um, but the way I like to look at this stuff, first of all, yes, social media changes all the time, but 95% of the changes are irrelevant in six months. So we can't pivot and jump every time there's something new. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but with this kind of thing, when there is a new marketing opportunity, like threads, which is what we'll call it, um, I like to look at it and say, let's say that it costs $10 a month to use, okay? It wasn't free, it was $10 a month, which is nominal, right? It's, it's next to nothing for something you might invest in for marketing your business. If it's $10 a month and you wouldn't use it, you probably don't need to use it when it's free. And I like that 5 to $10 filter because it very clearly defines what we think is worth our time and, and not versus when something's free, we just go, oh yeah, it's free. I, I got to check it out. I got to get on there. I got to capitalize. Um, I have been on there. Part of my job to do this stuff. I also am a social media geek. So I wanted to get on there and, and, and see what was happening. And, you know, yes, there are opportunities there, but if it takes away from stuff you're already doing that's working, there's no reason to be on there. I truly believe you could look at it anytime in the next six months and maybe longer and not have, quote, missed the boat on it. So I think we have to let go of these feelings of guilt and worry. Now, if you have time and you want to do it, right, like maybe maybe you take public transit, you've got all this time on your phone every day because you're riding a bus or a train or you're early for appointments, you know, like real estate agents a lot or, or get to their appointments 10 minutes early and they have time, then by all means do it. Just don't consider it your marketing time. Consider it sort of your leisure time in the same way that you might check out a Netflix show if you have time. So that's kind of the way I look at it is if you wouldn't pay five or 10 bucks a month to use it, then you don't need to be jumping over there, right? Um, all right, let's recap our six ways to stay ethical while being wildly profitable. Um, Anna, you want to do yours real quick first? Yeah, we can do three and three. Yes. Okay. So transparency and disclosure. Examine what you're doing and make sure that you're being just transparent and disclosing real results. Secondly, focus on real scarcity and try to let go of the, of the false scarcity. And thirdly, create safer spaces. All right. And then the three I gave were, uh, one, go out of your way to prioritize the happiness of your clients and customers. Because if you think of things that way, you won't do things that feel unethical to you. Um, number two, have a specific human filter in my business. It's my mom. If I'm going to try something in my business, I think if somebody else did this to my mom, or if my mom was one of my clients or members, how would I feel about it? It's a very defined line, right? Either you're okay with it or you're not. And number three, have a very generous guarantee and openly give refunds. Um, there's no reason for any of us to have people in the things we offer unless they're happy. 
they can be reasonable. I'm not saying you have to go like I've heard about um, some of these like high end department stores like Nordstrom, where you can bring back shoes that have fallen apart a year later and they'll give you your money back. I'm not saying you got to do that, but it really makes a big difference to, you know, make sure your people are happy and it helps you ethically stay um, on the right side, especially for you as a person. All right. So if you found one of these especially helpful and you are going to take action on it, uh, by all means, please let us know. Always love to hear about those. Some really awesome tips were shared today and some really awesome things to think about in your business. Remember, we all do better when we all do better. So take a second right now, think about somebody else that might benefit from this conversation or one of these and make sure to send it to them or tag them or share in any way that comes easiest for you. Next week on the show, six ways to make money from a YouTube channel. Justin Brown from Primal Video is going to be my guest. If you're not familiar, their channel, I think, is over 1.5 million subscribers, and they have actually built a million-dollar business on YouTube using lots of different ways. And so he and I are going to share six ways to make money from a YouTube channel. Anna, where can people connect with you and find out more about you online? Yes, the traditional website way is go.asaucier.o. I'm sorry, .io. Um, what I really prefer is to have conversations. So I'm at Real Anna Saucier on either Instagram or Facebook. Just reach out and say, hey, I watched Sherry's show and I have a question or this was my favorite tip. Um, I would love to just have a conversation. And just for clarification, Anna's name is A-N-N-A-S-A-U-C-I-E-R, right? That's it. Thank you. Okay. So on, yeah, I just want to make sure we get it right. This is the former radio personality me where you got to make sure that... Uh, you know, that, that everything is, uh, is being spelled the right way. So um, if you want any of the links that Anna just mentioned, uh, you could be able to check the show notes at the sixways.com slash 10. That's one zero. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Anna. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thanks for being part of the Six Ways podcast with host Jerry Potter. You can find other helpful and share where the episodes at the sixways.com. And remember to take action on something you heard today and let us know how it goes. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and don't forget to sign up at dailysocialmediatips.com to get the same powerful tips and strategies that thousands of other entrepreneurs enjoy receiving direct to their inbox each day for free. Just the first couple emails you get have completely transformed the way some business owners look at their social media marketing. Want to see how? Sign up now at dailysocialmediatips.com and we'll see you in the next episode.